John loves Jesus. If you've been with us, you have heard John's story. How he started off as a disciple. How he spent time with Jesus. How eventually he saw Jesus leave and give the assignment to go make disciples. Well, they waited for the Spirit. And when the Spirit came, it filled the disciples and many of the early Christians. And they went out and they began and they started the church. And the church grew all over the world. (laughs) When John writes his letter, 1 John, John is one of the last or probably the last disciple or apostle even alive. He's been a pastor for over 60 years. He's seen the good and the bad. He recognizes very much all that God is doing and has been doing. And so he's writing, probably from Ephesus at at this moment. And he wants to make sure that his kids, the people that he has influence over, Well, they're reminded of a few things. He he wants all of his kids to experience joy. But there must have been some things that are bothering him. As he looked at the church, as he recognized that, well, this church that he loved very, very much, they're lacking some things. And he wanted his children, his flock, to understand a few things. First of all, he starts off in chapter 1 and bleeds into chapter 2 that God is light and that he cannot tolerate darkness. He is pure. He is holy. He is clean. He's sharing with them that sin is darkness and, and sin is anathema to God and that sin can't be part of fellowship with God. In fact, it keeps everyone from a relationship with God initially and even as they continue once they become part of a child, as a child of God. We know that confession reestablishes this relationship and that obedience to his word enables us to live like Jesus and to act like Jesus and to love others like Jesus loved. Pastor John, one of the sons of thunder, seemed to have mellowed over the years. He did not go looking for a fight. However, he would not run from one when he thought his flock might be in danger. So if you would, turn your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to look at starting at verse 18. 1 John chapter 2 verse 18. And if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Let's listen. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that. 
for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, anyone who denies the Father and the Son, is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either, but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as He has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. The Apostle John starts off saying, time is short. Look at verses 18 and 19. Uh, Dear children, the last hour is here. And and let me remind you, this was written over 2,000 years ago. And John continues, you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they did not belong with us. He says, my dear children, you are living in the last days. Now, some of us, again, that phrase kind of um, conjures up something, but whenever the scriptures use this term, it really is the period of time between Christ's birth and eventually Christ's return. So John is saying, hey, this is the last hour, and it should evoke a little bit of urgency. And then he says this, and it brings a little bit of a scary tone, but we live in a time when antichrists are active. Now, I'm not sure if you remember, but back when Jesus roamed this planet and, and near the end of his ministry, specifically in Matthew chapter 24, starting at verse 4, he warned his disciples and his followers that the Antichrist was going to come. Let me read it for you. Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. John is talking to his church, to those believers. And he says, the enemy is here. The enemy is active, and the enemy will try to deceive you. But you have the Spirit, and you know the truth. Look at verse 20. 
But you are not like that, John said, for the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all who and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. The Spirit lives in every believer. As soon as anyone comes to faith, as soon as anyone recognizes that they are separated from God and their sin has separated them, but recognize that Jesus died on the cross to pay our debt and to be our propitiation for sin. All those that put their faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in them, prompting and directing those who listen to the Spirit. You see, the Antichrist always diminish the person and the work of Christ. Look at the next two verses, starting at 22. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an Antichrist, anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either, but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. The word Antichrist has a way of striking a sense of wonder and amazement and even fear in our hearts. Nevertheless, given all um, the strange and wild speculations that surface when Antichrist is mentioned, it's absolutely essential that we have a biblically-based understanding of who Antichrists are and what Antichrists do. The word antichrist literally means against Christ or in the place of Christ. People who are against Christ or who he is are literally antichrists. Now John is the only one that literally uses this term in all of the scripture. He uses it twice in our passage, a little bit later in 1 John and once in 2 John. John, though, wants to make it clear who the Antichrists are. They are liars who deny that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus came to save, that Jesus was the one who would come and restore a relationship with God. Antichrists are deceptive and seductive. And you may not know this, but they don't directly oppose Jesus Christ often. They usually redefine him or they try to reimagine him. They say things like this. He, Jesus, is good. He's a great moral teacher, but he's not God. Or he is the son of God. Like all of us can be sons and daughters of God, but he is not God. Antichrists say, yes, he may have died on a cross as a martyr, but he didn't die as a savior. The perfect atoning sacrifice for our sin. Specifically, Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus acknowledge Jesus was a good man, a good moral teacher, 
and even perhaps a God. Jehovah Witnesses deny the deity of Jesus. They believe God created Jesus and that Jesus is not part of the Trinity. The Mormons believe that Jesus was a God, one of many, and that anyone can become a God. The hub of Christianity is a person and the work of Jesus of Nazareth, the eternal and divine Son of God. John knew if you diminish Jesus, it distorts everything. Antichrist faithfully chip away his deity and reject his work of atonement. So who is a liar? An antichrist. An enemy of the cross. Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Messiah. Anyone who denies the truths about who the Father and the Son are. In fact, I brought our Constitution today because as part of our Constitution, one of the things we have is called the Statement of Faith. And in the Statement of Faith, what we do is go over doctrine that we believe we need to draw a line in the sand. And we define God and Jesus in our statement of faith, along with lots of scripture to be able to back it up. But let me read to you who God is and what we believe. We believe in one God, creator of all things, holy, infinitely perfect, and eternally existing in a loving unity of three equally divine persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having limitless knowledge and sovereign power, God has graciously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for himself, for his own glory. Verse after verse, scripture, backing up all of those statements. I love it in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. And this is in the Older Testament. But Moses um, actually gets a lesson from God himself. And God describes him in Exod himself in Exodus 34. And he says this, I, I am Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. God is Father, self-existent, infinite, eternal. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. He knows all. He is omnipotent. He has all power. And he's immutable. God is holy and righteous and just and good and love and truth and sovereign. He is three and he is one. 
And as we even just go through the definition of who God is in the scriptures, it just boggles our minds so much of the time. Jesus, the Son. We had an opportunity to read through a creed. But let me read to you from our Constitution again who we believe Jesus is. We believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. Fully God and fully man, one person in two natures. Jesus, Israel's promised Messiah, was conceived through the Holy Spirit and born of Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life and was crucified under Pontius Pilate, arose bodily from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father as our high priest and advocate. We believe that Jesus Christ is our representative and substitute, shed his blood on the cross as the perfect, all-sufficient sacrifice for our sins. His atoning death and victorious resurrection constitute the only ground for salvation. As the scriptures over and over remind us that the Son is both God and man. Uh, something so difficult to try to understand. The promised Messiah. That Christ is eternal. Christ is creator. Christ is advocate, which we just got through looking at in chapter 2 and our propitiation. The Apostle John sees the Christological test as the critical test and that critical question we need to ask. And that question is this, what do you think and believe about Jesus Christ? Because depending on that answer, will share with you if that person is an antichrist or not. Antichrists, again, see Jesus as important. Even see Jesus as significant, but not preeminent. Now, let me just spend a few moments on the antichrist. Now, the scriptures does tell us that there is a antichrist one specific person, and that he is coming. Scripture clearly teaches that before Christ returns, that one man will emerge as the ultimate Antichrist. John pictures them in Revelation chapter 13, starting at verse 1 and going through verse 10 as a beast from the sea. John makes an important distinction between the many antichrists who are already here. They were back in John's time and are right now. And the antichrist who is coming at the end of the age. This counterfeit Christ who is coming will come in the last days of world history. And amazingly, the whole earth will marvel and many will follow him. Satan in this text, is pictured as a dragon. We'll give him his power, his throne, and his authority. The Bible teaches that all the nations in the world will be cast under his spell and that they will worship him as God. Now, you may ask, when is this Antichrist coming? 
Could he be alive right now? Well, throughout the centuries, there has been much study and speculation concerning who this final Antichrist will be. Whether he is alive or not, I cannot and will not and should not speculate and probably you shouldn't either if he is alive at this moment. What I do know, though, is that he will come. So John doesn't spend a lot of time there and describes him, like I said, a little bit in the last letter he wrote, which is Revelation. But he says this, Antichrists are here living among you, even in your churches. They were alive and well in John's time and continue today in their deceptive ways. So what do we do about it? What is it? Are, are we to be in fear? Are we to go around? Are we trying to weed these guys out or gals? Well, let's read 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 24. This is John's advice. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. In this fellowship, we enjoy eternal life, which you promised us. I'm writing these things to warn you, John said, about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. You don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches you is true. It is not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. John says this, you, you know the truth about Jesus. I personally, John said, have spent time with you from the beginning of our relationship, I've taught you who Jesus is, how important he is. <laughs> I want you to believe it. I want you to believe there's only one way to restore a relationship with God. I want you to understand that he is the son of God. I, I want you to understand who Jesus is. And then he said this, God's word clearly teaches about Jesus. Believe it. You have the Spirit, and you have God's Word. You've been taught God's Word from the beginning. Believe it. This will protect you. This will keep you in fellowship. Stay connected with God. He talks about the Spirit again here. We shared with you, those who have been with us in this whole study, that John doesn't necessarily write this epistle um, chronologically. Wants to make sure that you understand this is a treatise. It almost feels again that, that John goes over and over and over the critical things. And it feels like he keeps repeating himself. But he talks again about the Spirit and about listening to the Spirit. He says, I'm writing you, warning you about the deceivers. 
they are out there. They are sly. They will try to disrupt and distort. Well, we know they're deceivers because they claim a higher authority than the Word of God. The Spirit that lives within you gives you discernment between truth and lies. That's why it's so critical to be in fellowship when you open up His Word every day. It's so important to stay connected to the vine so that when you read what God's Word has for you, the Spirit can direct you and guide you and prompt you and convict. It can inspire you. It's very interesting. At the end of what we call Jesus' earthly ministry, in John chapter 14, when he had all of his disciples around him, right before they went to the garden, right before Jesus went to trial, right before he hung on the cross, one of the last things that Jesus tried to describe to his disciples was just the whole idea of how important the Holy Spirit was. And, and you guys need to understand this. And one of the things in John chapter 14, verse, six, G, or verse 26, Jesus says this. But when the Father sends the advocate as my, or my representative, that is when the Father sends the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. What a promise. They were mourning and discouraged that Jesus was going to leave them, as each one of us would be. I, I mean, are you sure, Jesus? This is really what you're going to do. And Jesus assured him, he said, I just want you to know, this actually is going to be for your benefit. Because when I leave, that spirit is going to come and indwell every one of you. And one of the things this spirit is going to do is teach you, prompt you, enlighten you, illuminate you. You see, the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit is what theologians would probably call illumination. It does not involve revelation of new truth. Rather, it illuminates the Holy Scriptures and enables believers to obey God's Word, something that has already been written and revealed. Now, sad to say, in some ways, as you read this, and maybe some of you uh, have read some articles on this, but some folks have taken these verses out of context, saying that we have the Holy Spirit, we don't actually need any teachers anymore. Well, the Bible consistently advocates teaching all the way through the Scriptures. In fact, John is teaching right here. Therefore, we can confidently say that John is not ruling out humans as teachers. The Lord has given the church godly pastors and elders and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service and the ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ. John's point right here is that believers must not rely on human wisdom or man-centered philosophy or new revelation, but on the teaching 
of God's Word by Spirit-gifted human teachers and the illuminating work of the Spirit. So, why did John write this? He basically wanted to say, beware, beware. I, I just want you to know that there are folks out there who are opposing the message, the gospel. They're going to dilute it. They're going to hurt it. They're going to try to deceive others. They're not going to understand God's amazing grace. <laughs> there have always been those, and more will come, who actively oppose Christ and the gospel. Christians must resist such error and cling to the truth as God revealed by the Spirit in the Scriptures. The Scriptures are so important. Listening to the Spirit is critical. And we call that a spiritual journey. One that we love to encourage you on. John reminds us that we have a twofold arsenal against Satan and specifically the Antichrists, the liars and the deceivers. And they won't win. The arsenal is one. One of the pieces of the arsenal is the Holy Spirit. And the other one is the Word of God. So what's he saying? What's he trying to encourage his kids What's he trying to encourage the church? Yeah, the enemy's out there, relentless and ruthless, no doubt about it, and trying to deceive and disrupt. But I want you, you, my children, to stay in my word. Listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and keep walking with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, dear Father, that you love us. We thank you that you sent your word and you left the Holy Spirit that lives in each one of us who are part of your family. God, we are grateful for who you are and what you've done. Would we, Father, recognize how much you love us, how much you care about us? Would each one of us pay more attention to your spirit? May we open up your word expecting you to inspire and to convict and to encourage and to strengthen. We would ask that, God, and pray all these things in your Son's name.